and joining us right now from the athletic up bright and early each and every morning uh, the one the only sam amick good morning sam good morning dave how are you my friend well i'm good how are you uh wonderful we got the kids uh off to virtual school and time to go to work be honest did you uh, check out that link i sent you about yosemite um no well i didn't didn't because and i shouldn't have just assumed my wife thinks that they're closed for some reason but she could be wrong oh yeah Uh, that, that makes sense okay but we uh we uh, I think are going the Airbnb route. Yeah. Okay. So that's a fun route yeah. to go. Airbnb or VRBO, one of the two. I've actually switched more to VRBO lately, but uh, yeah, that's the way to go. Okay, good. Um, Sam, is Coach Luke Walton safe in your opinion? You hearing anything about that? Man, he's just diving right in. Ah, can... Let's just make it happen, Cap. Rip the Band-Aid off. Let's just go. Safe. Any of us, let's go existential. Ah, that's a great um, point. It'd be an <laughs> asteroid, you never know. <laughs> um, I think so. Um, you know, it's always like this disclaimer. With, uh, I mean, it's, you know, to an extent, any owner, but locally, uh, you know, I mean, Vivek has been known to uh, change his mind, you know, based on games and emotions and other factors. So, who you know? I'm not going to say 100, percent but my understanding is that um, that he would very likely be the coach on the back end of the All Star break, and then from there it becomes, you know, like I think he, you know, very possibly on the verge of likely would be the coach at least until the off season. But what happens does matter. It's not a matter of like are they going to make the playoffs or anything. I don't think anybody is focused on that but it's the the mood in the room um i jumped on king's zooms last night for the first time in a while after the game mm-hmm. it kind of pulse. um so i mean you know does he still have the player support and the in particular to me is an important voice and so far you know it seems like it's still going okay on that front so i would uh, i would be leaning towards yes you know, you uh, made waves last week on this very program uh, when we had the discussion towards the end of our our discussion uh, about noise in the front office. And that has been kind of an ongoing theme is whether in the past or now with uh, the a, a giant cast of characters. Uh, Obviously, Monty McNair is the GM, but you've got uh, you know Ken Catanello, Wes Wilcox, then you have Joe Dumars, you have Vivek, perhaps his son Anil. Uh, you know, it's a it's all it's all it's a whole sitcom, you know. And um, I, I will say this: I I I am certainly not you know because I was in a, a, agreeing with you really. You, you and I were uh, very much on the same page um, over the last week uh, and, and just kind of sniffing around uh, what I hear and my sources aren't necessarily your sources, is that uh, the thought of the matter is is that there are weigh-ins and that there are uh, discussions, uh, but but the thought is that Monty McNair very much has uh, control of that front office and control of moves and the freedom to move around and do as he sees fit. Um, and I, I'm just curious if, if, if that counters what you're hearing, if you've, you've checked any of that out since uh, last week or where we're at. 
Yeah, it doesn't counter any of it. I mean, it's just it's something that people around um, them are constantly kind of monitoring, um, you know, and, and I, I forget if we kind of gave this context last week, but the one thing that should be said is, you know, that in terms of Monty himself and the way he's approached the job, I give him credit for having, you know, all impressions on my end are he's had a, a very healthy outlook on all of it. So if it's a guy like Joe Dumars, who others might be saying, you know, is allegedly you know, kind of a, another voice who might hinder Monty's process or, or, or go in a different, pull in a different direction. If they have a different vision that those are things that people around them have been observing and wondering and chewing on, but that Monty himself um, sees Joe as somebody that, you know, he values and mm-hmm. appreciates having around. So, um, you know, they've only been working together for a very short amount of time, but that's, a positive if I was a Kings fan. Um, but yeah, it's always, I mean, the Kings know this very well. It, the longer I cover the league, I get more and more uh, intrigued reporting wise in just kind of the, um, you know, the, the parlor games, if you will, and kind of the, the power structure of, of every organization in the league. And so, you know, their dynamics are interesting. I, I had heard recently that, you know, Anil has been focused on a lot of other stuff and not, as involved as he was at this time a year ago. And, um, you know, it feels like there's a correlation between Joe having, you know, kind of giving Vivek somebody to constantly talk about or talk with about the team. Um, Vivek always kind of needs that outlet in some form. But, you know, yeah, it's, you know, I'm not hearing anything very long answer to your question, but um, I, I would not push back against that idea. Sam Amick from The Athletic joining us this morning. Sam, the uh, trade deadline is three weeks from today, which means we are officially in smoke signal season, as I like to call it. Uh, Your colleague, Shams Sharania, reported uh, this morning on The Athletic that Harrison Barnes and Nemanja Bielitsa are still two kings that could see uh, potential suitors coming up at the trade deadline. In your estimation, what is the value of uh, both of those assets? And what do you think Monty McNair is going to be looking for in return should they look to move off of those two guys? I mean, Bielitsa, you know, would be pretty straightforward. You know, I think it probably it's not going to be much. It's going to be, you know, a second-round pick or a late first. Um, that would surprise me a little bit. You know, it's an expiring contract. Um, and even though he is a guy who, you know, I'm sure it would be, you know, knowing the Kings and their luck these past however many years, you might turn the playoffs on and, and see Bielitsa, you know, dropping threes for some elite team, who knows, yep. and then and then wonder if you got enough. But, you know, I don't think the return is going to be that great. But I think, A, that will likely happen. And then, B, you know, I just I think the Monty is, um, you know, very much looking forward to playing in a different city. Um, the thing with Harrison that I don't have a read on is, like, A, the value – could be you know okay, but it's not going to be a lot. You know, I know for a fact that the the Celtics have chewed on that prospect quite a bit. Um, but I guess to look at Boston as like an you know one anecdotal example, you got a team like the Celtics that is asking itself like, do we go all in for a big name and and really empty the cupboard in terms of assets to try to get back into title contention right now, or do we go to Plan B, which is somebody like Harrison Barnes who we think we could 
could really help us, but that we could get for much less and, and the cupboard wouldn't be bare. And so if you're the Kings, you know, you're, do you want to play that role? And, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I'm very curious to see a, if they move him and B what the return is, because to his credit, he's played pretty well. Um, I also wonder again, six degrees of Vivek is, and there's a little bit of this with Buddy Heald. It's like, you know, Harrison is the former warrior, the, the champion on the team. And, and that's something that, you know, Vivek has, has enjoyed, I think. And um, so there's the question of, okay, what deals might be on the table? And then what would Vivek greenlight, you know, for guys that he has some sort of personal connection to? So uh, don't have the answer there, but you know, I think those are the kinds of conversations that will happen. Uh, Sam Amitt joining us. You know, I'm, I might be missing something here, but while you were talking about Boston, something occurred to me. I'm I'm going back through their transactions, and the the last trade I see here, uh, let's see, June 21st, 2019, Matisse Thibel to uh, the Sixers for Carson Edwards and uh, Ty Jerome. Uh, then before that, it was uh, 2018, I believe, and uh, this was a huge move. Uh, Abdul Nader to uh, and cash to the Thunder for uh, Rodney Purvis. I think Nader was part of the, uh, the later on the uh, Chris Paul trade. Sam also ran for president. Yes, that's, that's Ralph. Um, <laughs> thank you, Jay. Sam, should Kings fans also uh, listen? You should be wary of any chatter, but. Are we? Is it fair to say that Danny Ainge seems to chew on a lot of things every year, and he doesn't necessarily spit many of them out when it comes to trades? Yeah, yeah. Good analogy. I now have like the, the heads of players in Danny's mouth <laughs> in my mind. That's really gross. Well, he he um, did bite someone once. I mean, this is a fact. <laughs> Mike Tyson style. Right. Um, yeah, that's very fair. They they're, they're like. <laughs> You know, Daryl Morey during his Houston tenure was so aggressive, and but he would wheel and deal and make a lot of moves. And, and it's funny because Daryl came from Boston. So it's almost like Daryl learned from Danny and then just, you know, missed the part of the script where you don't pull the trigger on moves. And so Daryl pulled the trigger on everything. Um, and then Danny is just the opposite. He he is super active. And it's Mike Zarin, his, his right-hand man in their front office. Um, you know, they – I had, this is like, you know, reporter therapy time. I had some regrets when we wrote a story about James Harden's last days in Houston. I don't think we, I don't think we trumped up enough the fact that Boston was pretty involved at the end of that process more so than people realized. And even though Danny was saying otherwise publicly, um, like they, they, they have their fingers in a lot, but you're right. They don't, they, they had become infamous or notorious for, you know, kind of teasing their fan base and even basketball fans in general by saying, oh, we almost traded for Paul George. We almost traded for Jimmy Butler. We almost traded for James Harden. Um, you know, the one move they did make, if memory serves, I mean, the, you know, the draft pick situation with Markel Fultz and, and Jason Tatum worked out pretty darn well. Mm. Um, you know, or maybe I'm remembering that wrong. But yeah, they, you know, no, you're not. You're not. It worked out just yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, as far as the pieces. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, but whether it's Boston or uh, I mean, there's there's other teams that need something right now, and and Harrison, it's funny because I know the fans, you know, with good reason, are frustrated by a lot of the work that that Vladi Divac and the previous front office did. You know, one of the things that is going to help them going forward is these declining contracts. 
you know, you got Harrison making like $2 million less every single year on his deal. And I think it, you know, it, it finishes well below 20 a year. So that, that helps uh, in these kinds of negotiations. Sam Amick from The Athletic. Uh, sticking with Kings players who obviously are going to have their names uh, perk up around the trade deadline. Buddy Heald has had two big games for the Kings these last couple nights. Um, I, I half-joked on Twitter last night they were showcase games. I, I know Philly seems to be kind of a logical target given they need shooting um, McNair and Maury's relationship. Are there other teams around the league, though, that you think could be making calls about Buddy that could use that shooting and are trying to make a playoff push or even a championship push? I mean, I, I poked around on this yesterday, and I mean, the, the sense I got was, I mean, sure, there's going to be some teams that explore it, but I, I did not get the sense that there's, you know, going to be a robust market. And I think the main reason is the length of Buddy's deal is because um, you have two or three left after this year. It's, uh, three. Yeah, I mean, it's like the kind of you know long-term marriage type relationship you know, acquisition that um, it just seems like that's not enticing people. It's one thing to go get a shooter like Bielita or even Barnes who's got less time left on his contract where if it doesn't work out, you can move on sooner rather than later. Because with Buddy, if he had less time left on his deal, then you'd be saying, okay, if it works out, then, then you know, then we can find a deal that works for us and then and, and we're not tied to this deal that we didn't cut. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Right now, the mood I get is I, I'd, I'd be surprised if Buddy got traded, but you know, there's, there's a lot of time left. When you hear the rumblings, though, which uh, have started lately, um, that Monty is making calls as being aggressive, uh, does that does that match at all with what you're hearing? Um, not. Uh, I mean, people have been targeting them as sellers for a couple of weeks now. So in that respect, respect, yes. But I mean, you know, some of the inquiries I made recently, it was, you know, there's, there's not constant contact with the Kings all over, you know, they're not trying to, they're, they're not, it's not a fire sale sure. by any means, sure. you know, at this point. Um, but again, there's a lot of time left and, you know, we'll see where it goes, but you got Monty in there. You got Wes Wilcox, like you said, Ken Catnella, um, you know, from, from what I've heard, you know, Wes is making a lot of calls too. So, um, curious to see what they do because they, they might have leverage here in terms of being one of the few sellers. Uh, there's just because the league did its play in tournament, which obviously opens things up to the ninth and 10th place teams in both conferences, you got a whole lot of hope uh, all over the league. And, and the Kings are on the short list of teams that don't appear to be in a, the hopeful category. Sam, um, uh, a couple weeks ago, it was reported that Blake Griffin had played his last game in Detroit. Andre Drummond had played his last game in Cleveland. I, I think we're looking at a, a buyout for Griffin. Do you think Drummond's going to be a guy that gets a buyout, or do you think there's a market for him where a, a team, again, looking to add a veteran on a expiring contract that can definitely contribute to a team, do you think there's he's going to be traded, or are we looking at another buyout here as well? I mean, I think it would be a buyout, but you know the Cavs have, have put it out there that that would be – I forget what word they put in the local paper. And it, one of the beat writers had something that it Neato? was, you know. Was it Neato? What? Was it Neato? N-E-A-T-O? No. 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 I'm just guessing, dude. I don't know. I'm trying to help. No. Uh, it was like, it was like you know, ludicrous or oh. absurd or whatever. Wow. There was no way they would do a buyout. 
And so, but that's what you say eight weeks out from the deadline. And cause he, he's making a lot of cash. It's almost $30 million. And so even on an expiring, um, you're, you know, you're going to be giving up real value in return in order to match that kind of salary. So I don't see, and he's just not that kind of a difference maker. He's a guy that, you know, I've had scouts kind of tie him to Brooklyn and say, you know, that he's going to be first on their list if, if he does get bought out and he could be a real uh, asset for them. But, you know, we got to wait, obviously, and see if he actually gets bought out first. Sam Amick with us. Final question. Sam, uh, I'm getting older. We may have talked about this. I have no memory of it, and it, and it just hit me during this conversation. So forgive me if we have and call me out. I want to go back to something that is stuck in my craw quite a bit for about a month now. The uh, Chimizzi Metu Jonas Valanciunas interaction, if you want to call it that, where Valanciunas threw him down, uh, yeah. resulted in the broken wrist. I'm, you know this, I'm biased. I bleed purple. I wear purple glasses. I'm too close to the team. In your opinion, somebody who covers the NBA as a whole, when I say if that was, uh, I mean, it's an extreme example, but if it was, uh, you know, DeMarcus Cousins throwing down Luka Doncic, and it was the same effect uh, that DeMarcus would probably be playing in Japan right now. Am I, I'm obviously being silly, but am I off base? Am I too sensitive here? I got to go look at it again. I know there was a lot of anger about it at the time. Um, you know, yeah, I was surprised there was no fine. Um, you know, I, I don't think, you know, or a suspension, anything like that. Um, you know, getting jettisoned from the league, as you're suggesting, probably wouldn't have happened. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but, yeah, that's fair to think they didn't do enough. Um, but, you know, it's uh, – it's it's also I mean we saw yesterday right the jazz players were still upset about the the officials and they went down the small market kind of you know victim road with yep. Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert complaining openly about the refs and you know there's a little bit of that with with this situation if if it was a Laker who got thrown down um, yeah you know or something of that nature then maybe the league feels more pressure to look at it because there was a, a fair amount of noise locally that I saw on social media, but you know, it, it clearly didn't compel a, the league to do anything about it. I assume they, they looked at it, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to say there other than, you know, before we get off with our fun weekly segment here, Dave, um, on the injury beat, I got to give a, a shout out to, you know, the, the one and only neighbor, John, who, um, who went down with a, a fractured elbow and a sprained ankle playing pickleball with me this oh, weekend. Oh so, gosh. You know, so, wow. you know, even Kings fans are going down these days. People don't realize when it comes to pickleball, Sam Amick is dirty. <laughs> dirty, dirty. The Rick Mahorn of pickleball, if you will. Uh, Sam, we'll leave with this. And uh, thoughts and prayers with uh, drunk neighbor John, who I'm sure will uh, heavily medicate. Um, See, I was being nice. I took the drunk part off, and he just went right back to nah, it. <laughs> you know, come on. It's uh, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Sam, this is all for posterity. It doesn't count. We're just having fun here. Since we will not talk to you for a week, which will be uh, just about the end of the All-Star break, Sam, I'm setting the over-under at one and a half. Kings players currently with the team, not with the team, after the All-Star break, for any reason, release, buyout, trade. One and a half is the over-under. Sam, are you taking the over or the under? I'm taking the under. I mean, the deadline's not until the 25th. So, okay. yeah. So you don't think uh, we we get? Well, yeah, that's true. 
I'm thinking I'm I, I'm I'm thinking here. I, I love the All Star break in part because I know COVID's a little bit different, but I feel like everybody huddles together and it's like uh, denios, and everyone just kind of goes and and interacts and transacts, and it's not really how it works. Everyone has a cell phone now. Well, not only that, but you and I get it because we've all lost track of everything with the pandemic life, but. You know, in normal times, you know, they had moved the trade deadline ahead of the All-Star right. break. Right, right. So that, those days are gone. And, yes, Atlanta is not going to be the, you know, the, the birthplace of um, <laughs> all these trade talks. Um, I, I doubt that most executives are going. And, by the way, I don't know if you caught it last night, I, I loved Buddy Heald's candor when he was yes. asked about his choice not to shoot, play in the three-point contest, and he said, I'm too unruly. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if nothing else, Buddy is an extremely likable guy who doesn't mince words. I, I've always felt that was, way. I also got, I know we got to go. I, I loved it because he laughed, and then Jason Anderson from the B repeated it and gave Jason a hard time for repeating it. And then here comes our guy, Sean Cunningham from uh-huh. News 10. Uh-huh. Ran the, he became very casual, uh-huh. and Sean jumps in and said, hey, Buddy, why do you want to follow me on Twitter, man? <laughs> <laughs> of course he does. Hey, have Sean ask Buddy if he'll uh, do his new outgoing voicemail message. I, I, I can't. Okay. I, I think Sean still has Chris Weber on his. Oh, he does. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. He, thanks, he loves, that's never changing. It's never changing. The one, the only, Sam Amick of The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com. Fantastic deals there, whether it's for you, if you're like me, you already have a subscription, or a fantastic gift uh, to you, your your own, your child, whoever it may be. Sam, appreciate you. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Be All good. Right, buddy, be good.